Bibles, if you would, and if you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Revelation chapter number 3 today. Revelation chapter number 3. And as Brother Larry just sang, this world is not our home. Right? We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid somewhere beyond the blue, aren't they? And it's just a short time, folks. And then we'll spend all of eternity with the Lord. What a blessing that'll be. How many of you are looking forward to heaven someday? Amen. Amen. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. And I'll tell you, this world, this earth is not heaven. Not described according to the Word of God. But I'll tell you, the message this morning helps us. And the title of the message is, There is Hope. And it goes along with our theme this year. I didn't plan it this way, but I've been going through these seven letters that were written to churches. And I believe there's much for us to glean this morning from this next letter that we find contained in Revelation chapter 3 and beginning in verse number 1, going down to verse number 6. And if you would follow along this morning, the Bible says, Under the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast, and repent. If, therefore, thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Let's read verse 6 together. He that hath ears, let the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the what? Churches. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you'd bless the reading and the preaching of the word. And Lord, I pray that you would use it in our hearts and lives today. Lord, do your work today, and we look forward to what you have for us as your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. Today we look at another one of these letters, and as you've just read, he that hath an ear to hear. Now, if you're like me, you've got... Two of these, one on each side of your head. God's given us an opportunity with many different senses, but one of those senses is the ability to hear. Now really what you find is the Lord is saying not just to the church before us today, to the church in Sardis, but to each one of these seven churches, the Lord is saying, look, I want you to listen up and pay attention. Did your mom and dad ever say that to you when you were a kid? I can still hear my dad, even in my 50s, saying, 
Pay attention, boy. Because <laughs> oftentimes I was not paying attention to what he was saying to me. Many times we read the Bible and we really get nothing out of it because we don't pay attention to what God is trying to say to us. And in this day and hour, in the year 2017, Bible Baptist Church needs to hear what God is saying to us. When I look at this letter, I think again of the simple thought that a church, an ecclesia, is the people of God. It's, it, it's important for us to understand that he's writing to human beings. I asked my wife, I don't own one of these, but I asked my wife to bring this this morning. I don't like looking in this thing. Because when I do, I see something I don't like. But if you look this morning at this mirror, you know what you're looking at? You're looking at the church. You see, this letter and God's Word is a mirror. And when we look into it, we see ourselves. We see who God is, but when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves. We see exactly what the Lord sees when we look into it. And can I tell you that human nature over all these years has not changed. Ever since God created man, everything man touches, man destroys. Man's nature has been from day one a sinful nature. Every one of us, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says. And when I think of what the Lord is writing in these letters, these letters are contained in the Word of God. The Bible, God's holy word. They're not relics, but they are things that we can look at in a mirror and see ourselves. The message that the Lord was conveying to the church in Sardis is a letter to each one of us today warning us that if we are a church like Sardis, we are a church that is living in our past glories. You see, many of us have good days in the past, and we can look back uh, as a church over 67 years and how God has blessed the Bible Baptist Church of Pembroke Pines. And of course, the church did not start here, but we are located here at this time. We can look back even recently, a week ago, when we had Vacation Bible School and the blessings that God had. We can look at this beautiful auditorium and this building and how uh, we've ha seen the building being been painted and had a roof put on and we've had new carpet and new chairs that you're sitting in this morning. And we can think about all the ways that God has given us blessings and the way that God has, has given opportunities here. But listen, the church at Sardis is like many churches that churches that look alive, but they are really dead. Let me say that again, they look alive. Sometimes I see people come to church and they look alive. But sometimes I wonder, is you know the light's on, but is anyone home? And that's the way the church in Sardis was. You know, I've had many times in my Christian life, in my spiritual life, where I'm saved... 
I know the Lord. I know that I'm physically alive, but spiritually I'm not where I should be. And I don't know how you are in your life today, and maybe you haven't experienced that, but the Lord took great concern to write about this matter in the Word of God, and we find it here in chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. See, there are churches today that once experienced the power of God, but they are now living in the past. Vance Havner said, and I want you to look at this uh, in your notes, spiritual ministries often go through four stages. Notice the stages. A man, a movement, a machine, and a monument. Now you think about our church. Maybe you think about yourself. Think about where you are in those stages of life because I've seen a lot of churches that God put it on a, the heart of an individual. In our case, it was a man by the name of George Zemer that God put it on his heart to start the Bible Baptist Church in North Miami, Florida. And oftentimes a church begins with a man, God moving on the heart of a man, and it becomes a movement. Notice, a movement. But then somewhere along the way, that church where God was working, where God was doing something, it becomes mechanical. It becomes a machine. And some ministries and some churches, and can I say some Christians, have got to that place where they eventually just become a monument. We used to be that way. We used to do this. Our church used to have these services. And God deliver us from being like the church in Sardis. And I want you to see this morning, what was it that the Lord saw about this church? Because look, when he looked at this church, he saw a condition that was there and there was something that wasn't right about this church and the Lord realized, hey, look, I understand the condition, but because I am God, there is a cure. There is something that can be done. But listen, that cure would not happen if there was not cooperation. There has to be on our hearts as God's people, a cooperation to realize and to say, Lord, I see something in my life that doesn't belong there. Maybe there's something in our church that's not right, that's not pleasing to the Lord. I don't know what your condition is this morning, but can I tell you that the Lord is the great physician and He does have the cure for whatever it is in your life, but you must cooperate with whatever He tells you to do. Remember, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith under the churches. What is he saying to this church? Notice, first of all, his statement of their condition. Look back in verse number one. The Bible says, Under the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Notice now what he says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Notice the statement of their condition begins with the recognition. Jesus says, I know thy works. The Lord knew everything about them, this church in Sardis. And when I look at the word of God, you know what I realize? That Jesus knows all about me too. God knows everything about us. 
And listen, that's, that is something that helps me understand. As I see in Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The Bible says in Jeremiah 16, mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. God knows all about us. The question this morning is, are we making him glad or are we making him sad? You see, it begins, this statement of their condition, with the recognition. The Lord says to the church, I know thy works. But notice, he also shows them, he says, look, I not only know your works, he says, but I know your reputation. I know your reputation. I mean, it wasn't just recognizing what they were doing, but their reputation. He says, thou hast a name. That means that they had a reputation. Hey, listen. Our church has a reputation in this community. You as a Christian on your job, in your family, around your friends, you have a reputation. Now don't get me wrong because he says thou livest but art dead. Notice they had a reputation uh, of, of some good things in their community. In other words, they were a church that somewhere along the way they were on fire for God. Hey listen, I've been in a lot of churches that are dead churches, I like to be in a church that's alive. I love this morning listening to you folks sing. Let me encourage you, if you love to sing, join our choir. I mean, I know you have to be up here and look at everybody, but just look over everybody, all right? And listen, folks, we've had some people that, that have uh, left and moved and other things but we could use some more people. We need to fill that choir so Brother Kenny has to try to figure out what to do when the choir gets too big, you know? But if you can sing, listen, join the choir. And look, the church here, they love the Lord. They were on fire for God. This was not a church that was a lazy church. They were a church that were witnessing. They were uh, leading people to Christ. They were a church full of activity. The Lord says, look, I know thy works and I know thy name. Thou hast a name, thou hast a reputation, but notice the reality. He says, thou livest and art dead. See, regardless of what people may have thought about the church in Sardis, Jesus knew the truth about this church. And the truth was, they were dead. The word used there, dead, is the word necros. And it, 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 it has the same meaning as a corpse. I mean, this was a church that was alive, but it was dead. It was a church that was destitute of force and power. They were somewhere along the way had become ineffective, and they were not operating the way that they should. And the Lord uses the word dead. Now, let me describe this to you, because they were a church, and you see if this describes churches maybe you've been in in the past. They were a church that had activity, but it wasn't spiritual. They were a church that uh, was a church that business was happening, but it was nothing that was of eternal significance. There was preaching, but lives were not being changed. Sinners were not being saved. They were operating in the flesh instead of in the spirit. You see, Jesus is the one who knew them better than anyone else. And when he looked at them, how sad that he said, you are dead. You see, it all begins with his statement of their condition. But notice as we move on, 
he gives his strategy for their cure. I'm glad that when you go to, to Jesus that he's not like doctors today that say, well, we really don't know what's wrong with you. We really don't know how to treat this. Uh, we've really never seen this before. And when my oldest daughter was born with a condition that was a serious condition. The doctor says, I've been delivering babies for 40 years and I've never seen this. That didn't bring comfort to my heart. And folks, I'm glad that when the Lord sees something that's not right in his church, that he says, listen, I've got a strategy. I've got a cure. Now, how many of you, if you were sick, would want to get healthy? Right? No one likes being sick. If you're sick today, stay away from me. No one likes being sick. And if someone has the cure, it's of great value to us, is it not? Now you think about this, Jesus is the one that has the cure. And I want you to see what his cure is. I love the song, my daughter sang it many years ago, and the words go like this, there is a remedy. For every sin-sick soul, there's a cure for all, all the pain and hurt and wrong. There is a solution for all the problems deep inside. There is a remedy, and his name is Jesus Christ. Some of you are thinking I was going to say, you know, some kind of antibiotic. Jesus is the remedy. Do you know he's still the answer to every problem in life? Hey, listen, it doesn't need to be December 25th to realize the reason for the season is Jesus. Every day of your life, whatever you're going through, he has a strategy that will cure even a dead Christian. He's the hope of any dead Christian. So here's his strategy. Write it down is he told the church to watch. Notice the words in verse 2, be watchful. The words mean be uh, attentive. Uh, be wakeful, and, and, and look, they had allowed sometime in their past successes to be lulled in a, to a complacency, to be in a spiritual slumber, so to speak, how that they no longer were awake and, and alive and, and full of activity and doing what for the, for the Lord what they had done in the past. When I think about this church, it reminds me of America in the past on 9-11. You know, we thought to ourselves how great America is and how untouchable America is, and we found that someone can get to America. And I think this church had gotten to the place that they were because they had not been watching. They hadn't been attentive. They hadn't been awake about this. And so Jesus comes to them, and he literally is saying to them, I want you to snap out of it. See, there's a lot of churches that start right, but they don't stay right. Somewhere along the way, they've lost their vision. The Bible says, without vision, the people perish. And the reference there in that verse in the book of Proverbs is dealing not with eyesight, humanly speaking, it's dealing with the Word of God. When we get away from the Word of God, when we get to the place where we become lethargic, apathetic to the Word of God, we no longer care what God has to say. The Lord is saying, look, you better wake up You better get back to the Word of God. Uh, You've allowed things to come in that have have caused you to stop being the church that that I am pleased with. And the Bible says in Luke 19 and verse 13, he called unto him his ten servants and he delivered ten pounds. And here's what he says to them. Occupy 
Till when? Till I come. We just sang about that, did we not? I believe with all my heart that the Lord is coming back someday. How many of you believe that? Amen. Do you know it can be today? That'd probably be okay with some of you, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he says, I want you to work. The songwriter wrote, we'll work till Jesus comes. This is no time for us to just kind of kick back and put it into neutral and rest on our blessed assurance. Because that's what a lot of Christians want to do. Hey, listen, he says, I want you as a church to watch. Look at Matthew 24, 42. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. We have no idea when the Lord's coming back. There's been a lot of crazy people who have tried to set the dates, and guess what? Every one of them's been wrong because no one knows the date. The Lord could come back today. But you see, when we, we get to a place where we fall asleep, we get lulled into sleep. I've always appreciated, I don't hear it often, but every now and then, I think it was last week, somebody came out after the service, and they said to me, Pastor, and I, I kind of, yeah, and they said, I stayed awake during the entire service. <laughs> now, that's not real reassuring. That means somewhere they've fallen asleep in the services. And I looked at him, I said, that's awesome. And they said, yeah. And then I thought to myself, well, my message wasn't much, but you know what kept them awake? The Word of God. They, they've stayed attentive to what God is trying to say to them. Hey, listen, I applaud you for being here this morning to be in the house of God, but can I tell you that in this day and hour as a church, we have to be aware that we too can be lulled into a sleep. Listen, while the this is an amazing thing. With the latest in marine technology, steam engines and a turbine engine, 16 watertight compartments on the hull, and a double-plated bottom, the unsinkable ship, the Titanic, sunk into the icy waters of the North Atlantic after hitting an iceberg on its maiden voyage, killing 1,517 people. And one person had... The audacity to say even God couldn't sink this ship. And divers have been diving to the bottom of the ocean for years to look at the relics of a ship that everybody said, that ship is unsinkable. And folks, if we're not careful and we don't watch, our church that's alive could be dead. You see, here's the strategy. He told them to watch. Secondly, he told them to work. Now, I know that's not a popular word in many people's lives. But here's how he put it. Look at it in verse number two. He says, I want you to strengthen the things which remain. Strengthen. Now, that means there was something there. And you know, look, can I tell you, you know what will strengthen us as Christians? The word of God. We need a good, healthy diet of the Word of God. And he said, I want you to strengthen. If there's going to be any hope, you've got to strengthen the things that remain. And the Lord gives here in verse 2 and 3, he gives the church four things that we need to be engaged in as a church. And by the way, this will bring any sleeping, napping church out of their lethargic 
uh, ways. And I want you to see the first one. Look at what it says here. He says in verse number two, Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy work perfect before God. And then he says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. So notice what he's describing here. Number one is revive. He says not everything about this church was dead. There are some that are still alive there. And notice he says that are ready to die. That means they're at death's door. There's some Christians here today that used to be in church, that used to read their Bible, that used to do this, but you're one step away from being dead. He says right here, they are ready to die. And then he says, thy works are not perfect before God. That He's talking there about this matter of that the things that you're doing for God, you're not doing them completely. You're just going through the motions. And one of the activities that a church needs to be involved in is this matter of being revived. And then the second thing is this matter of remember. Hey, listen, that's what we're going to do tonight is we're going to remember the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to remember what the Lord has done for us. And then he says here in in verse number three, he wants us to be resolved, just like Daniel I spoke about this morning. He uses the words here, hold fast. I think about those words there. He says, I want you to keep things alive. I want you to guard those things that are things that, that, that you have believed for so long from the word of God. And then the fourth thing we need to be involved in is this matter of repentance. And look at, when we think about repentance, what is it? It's a change of mind about our sin to realize who we are and what we've done. And then we need to turn from that and turn into the direction of the Lord, turn from our sin and turn to God. But look, are you willing to follow God's strategy that that would keep our church alive And he says, one way you do it is to watch. And then secondly, you've got to work. And then thirdly, here's the hard part. You've got to wait. He told them to wait. Look back in verse number three. He says, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour, what hour I will come upon thee. See, if they're not going to change, then clearly the Lord says, I'm going to come into your midst and I'm going to take away everything that remains that's still alive. And if you take everything that's living away, you know what it becomes? Dead. You take a fish out of water and throw it in the boat and just leave it there to flop around, eventually it's going to become lifeless. And churches today never open God's word, never hear the word of God preached, never never do the things that God has instructed them to do, and those churches, the Lord has come into their midst, and they might as well put up the sign, Ebenezer. The glory of the Lord has departed. And folks, listen, I I want you to understand this morning that you and I need to, to see here from this church in Sardis that we should not be guilty of ignoring God's call on our lives to repent of any sin in our lives. There's a lot of churches today that are having services and they might have something that they would call preaching and they might have ministries that they're involved in and they might even be giving to missions, but according to the Lord, they are dead. They're just going through the motions. And he says, look, I see your condition 
and I've got the cure, but thirdly, it's going to take your cooperation. Notice his stipulation for their cooperation. Look back at verse 4. For thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, and they shall be worthy. Notice the Lord's words brought comfort and hope to the Sardis church. I always love the word of God. Listen, folks, if you're ever feeling down, just open up the Bible and start reading. God's word brings comfort. And it brought comfort to this church in Sardis. And he tells them, he testifies that there were some in the midst of them that were still clinging to life. And there were others who maybe needed to repent and be restored to the Lord. But notice, I see the stipulation, his promise was to the repentant, excuse me, to the remnant in verse number four. He counsels those that are living for him just to go on to live for him, to continue to live for him. Can I tell you this morning, I know that sometimes life gets hard. And I know sometimes you're up against it. And I know sometimes none of your family understands and they think you're crazy for going to church on Sunday or Sunday night or Wednesday night. They think that you're a, a, a ridiculous for you to give, and they think it, you shouldn't be out witnessing. I mean, folks, listen, they don't understand all those things because many times they're not saved. But listen, you need to see this morning that he's counseling every one of us, not just this church in Sardis, that God will always bless faithfulness. God has always, and he always will. I would challenge you today to be faithful to God. His righteousness was applied to our lives. God is so faithful to us. In Romans chapter 3, God has set forth to be a propitiation through the faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And what we need to do is we need to stay on course because God is watching and God will see us through times instead of us being dead that we will be a church that's alive. Listen, I, I know I've even been around some dear friends that have decided that, hey, listen, I'm tired of doing things that way. When people make statements like that, talking about church and the Word of God, really what they're saying is, I'm tired of doing things God's way. Folks, listen, the only way God's going to bless our church, the only way our church will be alive is if we do things God's way. I've tried, I've endeavored as a pastor, and I realize people have questions, but I've always tried to give them answers from the Bible. I've had times in my life where I didn't understand something, I went to the Word of God, and I find that if I have a problem with something, guess what? It's not a problem with God, it, it, it's me having a problem with God's Word. And we need to come to the conclusion that the only authority in life is this right here. God's word is the final authority. We believe it's, it's the authority for all of our faith and practice. And he makes a promise here to the remnant. And I want you to see not only that, but he makes a promise to the repentant. In verse number five, he says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Hey, I love this how that those who turn from their deadness of sin, that he promises that he will openly confess them before the throne of God. Look at Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him 
the ones that confess me before men, he says, those ones I will confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Now the question this morning for the church in Sardis, or can I say for the Bible Baptist Church, has the fire gone out in your heart? Are you still alive in Christ? Are you still excited about what the Lord is doing through His church? Hey, listen, the Bible says that there is hope in Psalm 39, verse 7. Now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in who? Yeah, it's in thee. My hope is in God today. Folks, there is hope because He has a remedy for whatever condition that we have. But it boils down to our cooperation. Because look what the Bible says in Psalm 51, verse 12. I believe with my heart that God can restore us. And the psalmist says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Notice he didn't say my salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord. Do you remember the day that you got saved? Do you remember how alive you felt when you got saved? Somewhere along the way, have you allowed that salvation to become cold, become indifferent towards it, even to a point to become apathetic? And you know what the Lord is doing? He is saying, if we have ears to hear, we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? The Bible says, wilt thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. See, as long as Jesus lives, and he is alive today, there is hope. He's the hope for a church. Maybe a church that used to be alive and is dead. He's the hope for a Christian that used to be alive and is one step away from being dead. Would you stand with me this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? The invitation is open this morning. If God has spoken to your heart about something today, I mean, the Lord spoke to me all week about this message. I saw things in my own life, and folks, listen, when God by His Holy Spirit reveals something to us, we have two options. One is to respond, or two is to reject. To not respond is to reject. And if there's something God spoke to you about this morning, the altars are open this morning as the piano plays. Would you come this morning? Maybe come and just thank the Lord for what He's doing in your heart and life. Maybe come thank Him for our church. Maybe come and ask the Lord to help you in some area of your life. That whatever it is that's going on in your heart right now, that God would keep his finger on the pulse of your life. That you would not flatline as a Christian. I don't ever want to be a dead Christian. I don't want to be a part of a dead church. I don't want dead religion. God saved me out of that. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you don't know the Lord as your Savior, Today you can come and put your hand in the hand 
of the one that hung on the cross for your sins and mine. Jesus loved you so much that he died for you. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, if you're not 100% sure that you go to heaven someday, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. With everyone's heads bowed this morning, no one's looking around, but I'm going to pray in just a moment. And if there's someone in this auditorium this morning that doesn't know Christ, you're not saved, and you'd like for me to include you in the prayer, I don't know your name, I won't call you out, but I just wonder this morning, would you be honest with God, slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Would you please include me in your prayer? Just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down, anyone at all this morning. Just put your hand up and you can put it right back down. Anybody that doesn't know, not 100% sure that heaven would be their home someday. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God, for the truth in this passage that we saw this morning. The church in Sardis was a church that that had a name, had a reputation. They were a church that at one time they were doing things for the Lord, but they began to rest on some of the past victories that God had given. And they became a time of inactivity. They were no longer effective for the Lord. They ceased to work. They were no longer watchful. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church corporately and as Christians individually to keep our love for you and our relationship with you where it ought to be. You are our first love. You loved us before we ever loved you. And Lord, I pray that you'd help our church to be a church alive unto you. That we may be a burning, shining light for this dark, sinful world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.